Hi there, I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 132. And today, I'm talking about when an unschooler isn't interested in maths. This is another blog post story podcast episode. Yes, today I'm sharing one of my blog post stories about unschool maths. And then afterwards, I have a few comments that I'd like to make. I also have a little bit of family news to share with you. But first, the story. When an unschooler isn't interested in maths. What if our children moan and groan every time we mention the word maths? What if they say they hate it or can't do it? What if they're just not interested? We could insist our children do some maths, whether they like it or not. Basic math skills are essential. What if someone finds out that our children don't know such things as the times tables? Will they criticize us and our decision to unschool? Perhaps we feel we have to keep pushing our children, even if we end up battling with them. And what about homeschool registration? We might need to prove our children are learning maths. If a child doesn't do any, what are we going to write in the homeschool records book? Or we could ignore these outside expectations and maybe our own worries and resist taking control of the situation. We could remind ourselves that our kids will learn all they need to know in their own time. All we have to do is surround them with a rich and interesting environment and trust. They will get there when they're ready. I've been taking the latter approach with my youngest daughter, Gemma Rose, who is now 14. For some reason, she has always had a great aversion to the word maths. Just mention it and she closes up. I'm not sure how her dislike of maths came about. I did insist Gemma Rose did some formal maths for a year or so when she was about six or seven. She hated the worksheets. She hated the fun, interactive activities. Most of all, she hated the timed exercises. Could this have affected her so deeply? It probably did. Whatever the reason, Gemma Rose has always had a problem with maths. Some people tell me that I should just sit her down and make her get on with it. Everyone has to do things they don't want to do. She needs to realize this. Maths is essential. She'll be at a disadvantage if you don't insist she learns it. But it's impossible to force kids to learn without their cooperation. Of course, I could have given her some incentive to learn by using rewards or punishments or shame. But I didn't want to use these. That's not the way to encourage real learning. I was also worried that the more I pushed, the stronger Gemma Rose's dislike for maths would become. I was hoping I could give her a new perspective on this subject. I wondered if Gemma Rose disliked maths because she had a false idea of what it is. Maths isn't worksheets. It's not having to remember the right answers in a certain amount of time. It's not having a you failed message flash on the screen when you don't manage to do the required tasks 
Instead, maths is a fascinating language that infiltrates every part of our world. For the past few years, my mission has been to strew maths a bit here and there in order to give Gemma Rose a proper taste for it, give her a different view of this subject. Most times, she has soaked it up without realizing she is actually experiencing maths. I've also been observing Gemma Rose using maths in her everyday life. This is meant looking carefully because I think most of us pass over many maths moments. We just don't notice them. And I've been offering maths information in a light-handed way whenever an appropriate moment has arisen and Gemma Rose has seemed in a receptive mood. I've discovered that sometimes it's okay to give her a little nudge. At other times, it's far better to back off. There's been a side benefit from stewing maths and observing Gemma Rose using it. I have been able to add lots of maths notes to our homeschool records book. Sometimes when I've been explaining my approach to maths, I've said such things as, Gemma Rose doesn't like maths. She's not very good at it. She's just not a maths person. Then one day, I stopped and examined those words. Were they really true? And I decided they weren't. Gemma Rose is very proficient at maths. She uses it all the time. She has no trouble working out all the mathematical problems that arise in her life. Here's an example. One day, I saw an opportunity to introduce decimals to Gemma Rose. I was hoping she was ready to learn about them. So, for a few minutes, I explained all about the decimal point and place values and how to add and subtract. Then I looked at my daughter. She was squirming and she had a familiar, closed-off look on her face. Just relax, I told her. It's not that hard to understand. But it seems it was. I gave up. I wondered if Gemma Rose would ever want to learn about such things. Later on, I realized I'd been blind. I hadn't seen something very obvious. Gemma Rose uses decimals all the time when she's running. She has no trouble working out her distances and speed and all the other interesting data she wants to know about. How does she do the maths involved? I don't know. What goes on inside her head is a mystery to me. All I know is that she's got her own way of doing things. She doesn't use the conventional methods and language that most of us associate with maths. It seems to me that children are quite capable of finding their own ways to work out mathematical problems without first having to learn all the rules of multiplication and addition and fractions and everything else we try and drum into them. Or maybe they work out the rules for themselves. Or could they see no relevance to the problems we present them on paper? They just don't make any sense. Recently, there's been a new development in my daughter's math story. A couple of months or so ago, Gemma Rose said, Mum, can you find me a maths course to work through? My jaw dropped. Gemma Rose wanted to do a maths course? I think it's time I learnt maths properly. Are you sure you want to do a course? I could find a more interesting way for you to do maths. 
I just want to learn maths. I don't need it to be turned into a game or something fun. Jimmeros had decided for herself that she was ready to learn maths in a conventional way. She thinks it's time she learnt the language everyone else is using. So I searched for an appropriate maths course and then presented Gemma Rose with a few options. She looked at them all and decided to try the Khan Academy one. Would you like me to watch the videos with you and help you with the quizzes? I asked. No, thank you, Mum. I can do this by myself. Can a child who has had hardly any formal maths experience do a maths course by herself? Yes, she can. I have been very surprised. There have been a couple of occasions when Gemma Rose has asked for my help, but basically she is working through the program on her own. Where did Gemma Rose start with the course? At the beginning? No, we looked at the questions together and then Gemma Rose decided to start with a Year 7 unit. That's high school maths in Australia. And that seems to be the right place for her. Gemma Rose is less than one year behind her school age peers. That's not bad, is it? It just goes to show that she picked up all the primary school math skills on her own, just by living life with a bit of maths strewing thrown in for interest and information. What's ahead? I don't know. Gemma Rose will decide. I trust she knows what she's doing. So what do we do when our unschoolers aren't interested in maths? We could push them to do it anyway. But if I had done this, would Gemma Rose's aversion to maths have increased? Would she never have come to the point where she is willing to know more? I think it's very likely the trust between us would have been destroyed. And I'm sure this would have flowed over into other aspects of our lives. Instead, I think it's far better to listen to our kids, support them, and trust they will learn what they need to know in their own time. So that's an update to my daughter Gemma Rose's maths story. I think it can be very difficult when our children aren't willing to learn maths in a conventional way, especially in primary school, when they don't know such things as their times tables. Our unschooling way of life may be criticised by our family and friends. It can be very, very difficult to go our own way and not to worry. But if I had pushed Gemma Rose, as I said in the story, I am sure that her hatred for maths would only have increased. Also, the big thing is that our trust, the trust between us, would have been damaged. It's all very well for other people to say, just make her do it, just sit her down, make her learn her times tables, make her fill in some worksheets. How are we supposed to do that? We cannot force kids to learn. Well, as I said in the story, we can use rewards. If you learn your times tables, I will buy you this or that or the other. But is that real learning? I don't really think it is. So Gemma Rose is learning maths in a conventional way at the moment. She came to that point all by herself. 
And I think, what if she didn't come to that point? What if she was still refusing to look at conventional maths? I think that that would be quite okay, because, as I have learned, Gemma Rose does know maths. She knows how to work out all the problems that she needs in her life. It's not that she can't do maths; it's just that she does them her own way. If I had put a worksheet of problems in front of her a few months ago, she wouldn't have known where to begin. It's the maths language, all the symbols. Perhaps they don't make sense when they're not tied in to real life problems, and I'm not talking about examples of real life problems. I'm talking about personal real life problems. If a child has no need to work out a maths problem, then it doesn't make much sense to them. I said that Gemma Rose chose to do the Khan Academy course. This is an online course, and I don't think it is a perfect course. It's just one of many options, so I'm not particularly recommending it as a fantastic online maths course. It's a free course. That's one of the attractions. Gemma Rose didn't really want to be signed up for another course that would cost money. That's a big commitment. Maybe there are expectations with doing that. She's dipping into this course, doing a bit. Here, doing a bit there, and so far it's going okay. The other day we were learning about percentages. Gemma has actually brought the course to me because she got stuck, and it gave me an insight into what she's doing. And some of the questions just don't make any sense. For example, I don't know why they choose to label problems that involve such things as aliens. As real life problems, because they're not. Who will come across an alien in their life? Some of the percentage problems were rather tricky, and I had trouble working them out. And I've done a lot of maths in my life, and it got to the stage where Jim Rose and I were sitting there trying to work it out together, and I'm saying, I really don't know how to do this. Is it relevant? I've never actually had to do this in real life. So there are still problems with doing maths in a conventional way, and making it relevant, and keeping up Gemma Rose's motivation to do it. Maybe one day Gemma Rose will come to the point where she'll say, "I've had enough, Mum. I've learned enough. I think that I will move on to something else." And if she does that, that's quite all right. But at the moment, my homeschool records book is filling up with maths notes. And they look like maths notes, conventional type maths notes, because that can be a problem when we have to be legally registered as homeschoolers. How do we satisfy the education department? How do we provide evidence that our children are learning maths? Well, it's been quite tricky with a child like Gemma Rose. At the moment, it isn't because there's lots and lots of maths problems that she's working on that we're taking screenshots of and putting into the Evernote notebook. But yes, as I said in the story, in the past I have had to be very observant, note down all the times that she is using maths in her life. Also, I've done a lot of maths drawing, trying to connect maths into everything else. That she's interested in, and I've always been successful 
At fulfilling the requirement, our authorised person who comes to visit us every couple of years, she has never complained. She's never said, Gemma Rose isn't doing the required maths. So I think that it isn't absolutely necessary that our children do formal maths courses in order to be registered as homeschoolers. There are ways around this. The ways around it can be very involving and they can involve a lot of effort. But I have found that all that effort, all that time has been worth it because what's the alternative? Battling with a daughter, pushing her further and further away from the subject of maths, which really is very fascinating if it is presented in the right way. Before I leave this topic, I have a comment that I want to share with you. I said in the story that I'd been blind, that I hadn't realized that Gemma Rose was actually using a lot of maths, very complicated maths, in her everyday life calculations. Just because she wasn't filling in worksheets didn't mean that she wasn't working out maths and wasn't manipulating numbers very successfully. Somebody left a comment on this post and asked the question, how do we know whether our kids are just not interested in maths but might eventually come to it or whether they actually have a maths learning disability. Well, I don't know anything about maths learning disabilities, but I did question whether Gemma Rose was able to do maths, whether she had some sort of problem with it. I will read out my answer to that comment. Yes, our child may have a maths learning disability. I considered this with Gemma Rose. She is such a gifted child in so many ways. But every time I tried to explain maths concepts to her, she didn't seem to understand. Was she not interested? Or was she trying to avoid a subject she just couldn't learn? I eventually decided that Gemma Rose was able to do everything she wanted. She wasn't getting frustrated whenever she encountered a maths problem in her everyday life. She might have avoided traditional maths problems and panicked when she saw one. However, she has never avoided maths in real life. I went back to this principle. Children will learn all they need to know when they need to know it. Gemma Rose has always had the skills to do what she needs to do. The problem has had more to do with outside expectations. Children are expected to have particular skills at particular ages, and those skills must look a certain way. For example, not only does a child have to be able to do division, they have to be able to set everything out on paper as required and know all the right mathematical words. I've been wondering if it is actually better for kids to work things out for themselves and not rely on methods they have memorized without real understanding. With maths, there seems to be multiple ways of doing things. Just because a child can't write the problem down in an equation and then solve it doesn't necessarily mean they don't know the answer. Also, could maths problems that are written down just for practice not seem relevant to some kids? For some children, could a lack of traditional math skills indicate they are just thinking differently to most other people. 
There's nothing wrong. This could actually be good. Just some random thoughts. Of course, I might just be trying to put a positive spin on the situation. One last thought. Yes, unschooling is about trusting our kids to learn in their own time, but it's also about listening carefully and seeing to their needs. So helping a child overcome a difficulty she is having isn't a problem as far as unschooling goes. In a school situation, a child might feel there's something wrong with her if she can't keep up with her age peers. She might feel shame. Parents and teachers might exhibit their worry, which affects the child. But within our families, our kids can be supported and know that it's okay to be wired differently. If they need to do things a different way, that's okay. I don't have children with learning difficulties. But I do know about being wired differently. And then I finished the comment off by saying that I don't really know anything about learning difficulties, especially maths learning difficulties. I'm just sharing my observations of my children and my ponderings. We can learn a lot by listening and observing our own children. So I think that comment. Just repeated some of what I was saying earlier. I have a maths resource that I would like to share with you. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching an episode of Australian Story on the ABC iView website. The episode is called "Channeling Mr. Wu," and it's about Eddie Wu, an Australian high school maths teacher. This is a little quote from a humble migrant background to internet stardom. Maths teacher Eddie Wu is changing lives by providing free maths lessons worldwide on his WooTube site. It was a very interesting program. It illustrated a lot of unschooling principles, even though Eddie Wu wasn't unschooled. Yes, he had a formal education, and now he is teaching in the formal education system, but. As I said in another blog post, Eddie Wu could have been a doctor or a lawyer. He could have chosen a well-paying, high-status career, but instead he chose to be a teacher. I love this story because Eddie Wu followed his passion and didn't take the safe and secure and expected path. He is a caring and compassionate teacher who is interested in his students. He recognizes that a lot of kids don't like maths because they fail to understand it. His mission is to teach maths. In such a way that kids do understand it, his engaging teaching style has changed lives. A few years ago, Eddie Wu started recording videos of his lessons for a student who was absent from class because of a serious illness. Those videos were shared and appreciated, and now Eddie Wu has his own very popular maths YouTube channel, Eddie Wu. He also has a website called WooTube. Now, not all kids will want to do high school maths, especially the upper years, but some will. My daughter Imogen chose to do a formal maths course during the final year when she was registered as a homeschooler, and she did this because she thought she might need the maths if she wanted to apply to do a degree in medicine. Well, she finished the course successfully and then changed her mind about medicine. She went on and did a writing degree instead, a Bachelor of Arts, and that didn't need maths at all. 
You might remember that story from last week's podcast episode. But yes, unschoolers might choose to do a high school maths course. They might choose to do it just because they like maths, or they might do it because they need to do it. If they do need evidence that they have completed a high school maths course, then we don't have to force them to do that. I had nothing to do with Imogen's decision to do an advanced maths course. She chose to do it herself. Anyway, the point I was trying to make is that if a child does want to do a formal maths course, maybe Eddie Wu's YouTube channel and website would be of help. Gemma Rose and I have watched a couple of his videos about percentages, and he has a very engaging style. He explained why we need to know about percentages very well. He actually explained that in a way that I hadn't heard before. He chose an example that illustrated uh, the reason we learn about percentages very well. Now, Eddie Wu's videos aren't visually exciting because he just films them while he's in school. He sets up the camera and then just teaches his normal classes and records them. So there's no fancy stuff. You have to listen very carefully because the sound isn't as good as it would have been if he was in the studio. He asks his students questions and sometimes it's hard to hear their answers. But if you listen carefully, you can hear everything. And what he has to say is worthwhile listening to. So that's something you and your children might find helpful. I made a little video about Unschool Maths the other day. I based it on last week's podcast episode. It is just over a minute long. It is called, Should We Make Unschooled Kids Learn maths in a formal way. I think I shared last week about how I am making a few short videos, just putting a few ideas into a video that lasts about one to two minutes, hoping to give people something to ponder. And then I'm putting links in the descriptions to more information on my blog. So if you watch the videos and are interested in what I have to say, you could hop over to my blog and read the blog post. If not, just watch the videos. They don't take very long to watch, as I said. Just one or two minutes of your time. I've had quite a lot of new subscribers to my YouTube channel recently. Maybe people realized that I'm starting to post videos again after a long break. And I'm enjoying doing this. This makes a change from just writing blog post stories. I've got some more ideas for more videos. I've actually got another video almost ready to post on my YouTube channel. So yes, hop over to Sue Elvis. That's my YouTube channel. And please subscribe. Before I finish this podcast, I said that I have a little bit of family news to share. Well, it is only a little bit. Nothing exciting has been happening around here recently. We're just going through our days. They're pleasant, but nothing different is happening. Unless, of course, you want to hear about the kangaroo we saw yesterday. Chimarez and I and our dog Nora, we go running every morning about 630 
And yesterday morning, as usual, we went through the garden gate out into the front of the house, and usually we turn right and walk down the road to the park and the bush tracks. But as we came out to the front of the house, I saw a huge kangaroo standing on the opposite side of the road. When it saw us, it didn't move off. It just stared at us. And just for a few seconds, I just stood there, taking it all in, this magnificent animal on the other side of the road. Yes, it was a very special moment. And then I remembered that Nora was beside me and I could feel the dog quivering. Now, Nora's greatest ambition is to catch a kangaroo. Now, she hasn't been successful yet, but I have rushed along the bush tracks quite a few times as she's been trying to get a kangaroo. Yes, pulling on her leash, trying to stop her. And I have been successful so far. I haven't lost the dog in the bush. She hasn't kept on going. I've been able to rein her in. We've seen a lot of kangaroos recently. But yesterday morning, I was wondering what I was going to do. That kangaroo wasn't very far away. And then a cat walked down the street as well. And Nora likes cats as well. She wants to catch a cat. I'm sure that she would love to catch a cat as well. And so I had a kangaroo and a cat and a quivering dog, a quivering strong dog. And I thought, what are we going to do? How am I going to keep the dog separated from these animals? So Jim Rose and I just stood there for a few more seconds. And then, thankfully, the kangaroo and the cat went in the opposite direction that we wanted to go. So I quickly marched the dog down towards the park. But all the way there, she kept on looking over her shoulder. I had to hold on to her collar. Most of the time, she only had two legs on the ground. I was almost carrying her along. Later on, I said to my daughter Imogen, I have a story to tell you. You will never guess what happened this morning when we went through the gate on our way to the park. And so I told Imogen about the kangaroo. And she said, Mom, I've got an even better story. And then she told me about how the previous evening, she and my husband, Andy, were driving down our road. They were coming back from a choir practice about half past nine and they saw a kangaroo in somebody's garden. And I said, did the kangaroo dash out into the road? Was there a danger? You were going to hit it because that's what usually happens. You've got to be very, very careful when you see a kangaroo. And she said, no, mom, the kangaroo just sat there in the garden. And when it saw the headlights of the car, it just stared at us. And I said, well, my kangaroo was staring at me too. Perhaps we both saw the same kangaroo. And if that's the case, that kangaroo spent all night on our street. And it's a very lucky kangaroo because it was still alive, yes, at 6.30 the next morning. We've seen a lot of kangaroos recently. I think that is probably because of the drought. Maybe they are coming out of the bush looking for water. The other story that I want to share with you happened this morning. It is a beautiful spring day here in New South Wales, Australia. Yes, we're having a burst of sunshine. Last week was really quite cool, and all of a sudden we've been plunged into unusually warm temperatures. And because we knew it was going to be a fairly warm day today, 
I asked Charlotte, my daughter Charlotte, if she would like to come with me early and walk the dogs. Yeah, walk the dogs before the sun got too high in the sky. So we set out about nine o'clock. We went down the bush tracks. We usually go along a route that goes down quite a steep hill. Of course, it's okay going down, but then we turn around and we have to climb all the way back up again. And by the time we get home, we're always usually a bit warm and the dogs are panting. They're ready for a good drink. As we were coming towards the house, I said to Charlotte, look, it's about morning tea time. I can't wait for a cup of coffee. So we got into the house and I said, I'll put the kettle on. And my daughter Imogen said, well, mum, you can't do that. We have no power. Yes, a power outage. We had no idea why we had no power. All we knew was that we weren't going to be able to have a cup of coffee. While we were discussing this, Imogen got called in to work early. You might remember that she works in a cafe with her younger sister, Sophie. So Imogen left home, and I turned to Charlotte and Gemma Rose, and I said, How about we go to town, and we go to the cafe, and we have morning tea there? I want my cup of coffee. And of course, the girls were agreeable. That sounded like a fun thing to do. So we found ourselves on the road, driving to town, unexpectedly, all because we didn't have any power. So we went to the cafe where Sophie and Imogen work. So they made coffee for me and milkshakes for the other girls, and we sampled some of the cakes. And as we were sitting there enjoying our morning tea, I observed my two daughters working. Now, some people might say that working in a cafe isn't much of a job. If you're clever, then you'll go towards some of the more academic professions. If you work in a cafe, perhaps you work there because you weren't able to do anything else. Now, you know that my daughters are working in the cafe because this job allows them to have money to support themselves while they are pursuing their passions. Imogen is a writer and Sophie is a photographer. They hope to earn money from their passions eventually, but at the moment they're working in a cafe. And I really support that and admire them for doing that. And yes, I was watching them working this morning. They were just so efficient, so hardworking. The cafe was busy. Nothing fazed them. They were organized. They were polite. They just went about their job and did it wonderfully. Now, the owner of the cafe wasn't there this morning. She had gone home for an emergency. And Imogen and Sophie were running the cafe by themselves. And I just felt so proud of them. So I think I wanted to share that story with you because sometimes I think we use the wrong criteria to measure success. Are our kids happy? Are they enjoying themselves? What sort of skills do they have? Being able to relate to people, being organized, being polite and friendly, being able to make a good cup of coffee. These are all things that shouldn't be discounted. They don't always need a high grade on a piece of paper. They need to be hardworking, have a vision maybe, know where they want to go and be willing to do whatever it takes to get there. So I thought I'd just share that little story with you today.
now some last roundup things. As I said, I'm on YouTube at Sue Elvis. And I'm on my blog, of course, Stories of an Unschooling Family. Please feel welcome to hop over to my blog, leave a comment on anything that I have said today, or just stop by and say hello. The other thing is that I've just written a new edition of my Unschooling newsletter. If you would like to receive a copy, you can sign up for it using the form in my blog's sidebar. Now, next week, I think I will take a break from this blog post story podcast episode series. And instead, I have an interview to share with you. My daughter, Sophie, who is 17, she and I sat down the other day and recorded a podcast together. We talked about a lot of things. So I'm hoping that that conversation is interesting. I haven't yet listened to it, so I can't sort of judge whether it is worth publishing, but I'm hoping it will be. And if it isn't, we'll probably sit down again and try again. So yes, next week will probably be a conversation between me and an unschooling teenager, my daughter, Sophie. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode, episode 132. And until next time... Trust, respect, and love unconditionally.